You're listening to Take Two. I'm Larry Morrow, and my special guest is Cleveland television icon Ramona Robinson, and this is part two of our interview. Uh, Ramona, I once read a wonderful quote, uh, and it says, Do not seek to follow the footsteps of the wise, but seek what they sought. So what is it, Ramona Robinson, that you seek in life now? Now, after uh, 30 plus years in television, literally God has freed me up to do his work. And so right now, I just want to continue to go out and testify about his goodness. I want to continue um, my speaking events once we're lifted from COVID um, and just, you know, try to unite this country. Um, I just don't like how um, divided it is right now. And I think we need good people mm-hmm. to go out and and be a beacon for unity in this country. Uh, obviously, you had faced unimaginable pain, prejudice, but you always knew that our Lord would get you through the storms. I know you're a religious person. Yeah. Tell me about Tell me about your walk with our Lord. It has been a journey. I must tell you, Larry, sometimes even though my faith is strong, I would waver um, because there were so many things. I remember being uh, fired unfairly in in South Carolina and I was suddenly without a job and I would cry out to the Lord saying, why is this happening to me? And I had sent uh, my resume tapes across the country and crickets. No one would hire me. And I started to Uh, sink into a deep depression. My days were filled with anxiety. And I even took another job as a, um, at a hex department store to um, try to, you know, make a little money until hopefully someone would hire me. And I struggled a lot because a lot of times when you're struggling, that's when the enemy will come in your ear and tell you all the things you don't want to hear. And voices would say, you know, where's your Lord and Savior now? You said he he said he would mm-hmm. always be with you. And uh, and I started to second guess my faith, thinking, God, where are you? How? And then suddenly I came home one day and um, my answering machine, remember when we had answering machines? <laughs> yes. <laughs> my answering machine. Did that, was, was, that sitting next to your, was that sitting next to your cassette player? <laughs> it was probably, yes. <laughs> and, uh, there were three messages, and it was, Hi, Ramona, this is so-and-so from uh, Des Moines, Iowa. Got your tape, would love to fly you out for an interview. Hi, Ramona, this is Stan Covington from uh, KYW, Philadelphia. Got your tape, would love to fly you out for an interview. Hi, Ramona, this is Dan Acklin from Cleveland, Ohio. Got your tape, would love to fly you out for an interview. So God didn't show up when I wanted him to, but he showed up right on time. And he just proved to me that that never... Um, doubt him. One of my favorite scriptures, Larry, is Hebrews 11.1. Faith is being sure of what you hope for, but certain of what you cannot see. And I could not see those offerings coming, but they came right on time. And, And even... I also talk about in my book, A Dirt Road to Somewhere, how um, I found myself um, locked in a room by one of this country's top NBA players uh, as he attempted to sexually assault me. And I was terrified. I was screaming out for God, help me, Lord, help me. 
and nothing worked. You know, this guy was determined. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, God would give me the four words that would save me, that would stop him. And I'm not going to give it away because you'll have to get the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the four words that uh, saved me. And even when I got married, I waited um, so long to find the right man for me. And I just, when I was a girl, I thought at 26 years old, I'm going to get married and have babies. And, have, and it didn't work out that way. I found myself 40 years old, uh, having never been married. And so when I got married and my husband and I tried to have children four times, I miscarried. And I would just ask the Lord, why? Why me? I just, I've been so faithful, a faithful servant. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I love kids. I work with kids. You know, I would be a great nurturer. And I would go to work, Larry. And I remember the stories I would have to read after each miscarriage. You know, one was a father drove his kids into a lake uh, because he was mad at, you know, his mother and killed them all. Or a mom left her kids home alone and there was a fire because they were playing with matches. And I'm thinking all of these people have kids and they're obviously not good mm -hmm. human beings. And yet you and, and that's when that voice will come back into your head that says, what kind of God? would kill your babies in the womb, what kind of God, and, and I would, you know, start to listen a little like, yeah, what kind of God are you that would do that, would, that would take my babies? Um, and then um, God came to me and said to me, because I struggled for a long time, and um, I know, um, even though I was not able to birth children into the world, I had birthed a beautiful beautiful program with my Ramona's kids. And I remember once in when I left Channel 3 in 2011, uh, one of my Ramona's kids, 11 years old, sent me an email. And she said, Miss Robinson, I know you're leaving that station. Please tell me you're not leaving Cleveland because us kids, we need you. And I was like, ah, oh, there it is. Mm. I am nurturing kids. I am encouraging kids, inspiring them, motivating them to continue on. Those were my babies. And the beauty of it is mm -hmm. I could spend time with other people's children and then send them back to mom and dad <laughs> without all the headache. <laughs> so it's a beautiful thing. Ramona, did you ever feel or, or how did you profess your faith on television without quoting from the Bible, if you will, during your news stories. I did not. How, I did, not. Did, did you want people to know, uh, you obviously wanted people to know what you were and who you were, correct? Well, I think they knew that from all of the speaking engagements. I didn't hide it then, but I kept that separate from my work. I did not talk mm -hmm. about, you know, my religion. But a lot of people have told me that they knew it anyway. <laughs> they said, we could... We can tell by the way you presented yourself and sometimes your reactions to certain stories. They said we could we could tell that you were a woman of faith. I can remember um, I always wanted people like you. I wanted people to know who I was sort of from the inside out. And I remember uh, getting in trouble once with a reporter and, and our friend Avery Friedman was upset with me for it. <laughs> but... Um, it was at a time when 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 Madonna uh, had decided that men were not important in her life, so she was going to pay a man 
a million dollars to impregnate her and then be on your way, which, so we discussed it on the air that day. Mm -hmm. And at, and at the end of the show, I remember the person I was working with, which was Sally. She says, you know, Larry, we haven't heard from you. How do you feel about all of this? And all I said was, I believe that every child deserves a mother and a father. I got ripped on the front page of the plane dealer the very next day. And, and I was very upset about it. And I thought, wait a minute. You know, I, I didn't quote from the Bible. <laughs> All I said is that every child deserves a mother and a father. But is, it is amazing sometimes how reporters want to know not so much about um, about all the wonderful awards that you've won, but they just want to attack you because they know it's good news. Yeah. Has that happened to you at all, Ramona? Well, I'm, I'm one of the lucky ones. I, I, you know, throughout my career, I hardly received any negative uh, letters or, or feedback. People were, you know, compared to some of the other stuff I know that anchor women got, people were, were pretty nice to me throughout my career, but you know, I say that, but again, people should be careful about how they attack others uh, when you don't know uh, the shoes they walk in. I, I remember I say that uh, there was, I got an, a, a negative email. It was after my last miscarriage. It was my fourth miscarriage. Um, a woman after the six o'clock news, I was at channel three. She emailed me and she said, what have you done to your breasts? I mean, they are like <laughs> bouncing basketballs. And I got off the set at 6.30, went in the ladies' room and bawled my eyes out. Mm. She had no way of knowing that I had been pregnant and that I had lost my child and that my breasts were that way because I was with child. But it just goes to show you that you don't know what people are going through. And to send an email like that it just, it, it messed me up even more than I was already messed up. And yeah. so, you know, again, people just, some things you should just keep to yourself. You know, you can think it, mm -hmm. but maybe keep it to yourself. Yeah. So. Well, you've, you've journeyed through one rating period after another, after another, and you continue to be number one. Let me just take a few seconds to talk about some of your broadcast awards. Uh, they have stacked up, including a member of the Ohio Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the Cleveland Association of Broadcasters Hall of Fame, the Edward R. Murrell Award. And I'm just mentioning in a few of these, um, the recipient of the, lower, uh, of the Lower Great Lakes Emmy Awards, the Edward R. Murrell Awards. And for people who think, well, who's Edward R. Murrow? He was the greatest broadcaster of er early television, e even around the time that your buddy Walter Cronkite, was Walter Cronkite was broadcasting. So to win that award and the stripes that are go up and down your arm, you don't even have enough. Your arm is not long enough anymore <laughs> to, uh, to put all of those awards on it. Did, 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 did those, receiving those awards, did it do anything to you one way or another, Ramona? Well, I'm especially proud of my eight Emmy Awards because seven of them are for uh, great reporting and storytelling. And that's what mm -hmm. I always loved about Walter Cronkite. I fell in love with his storytelling and how he delivered his news. And so uh, sometimes 
you know, especially early on, anchor women can be put in a box. Oh, they're just pretty faces that can read. Um, my reporting was really important to me. Also, that Edward R. Murrow Award I received while I was at um, Channel 19, along with um, the entire um, uh, team. And that was for breaking news. We broke the story of Ariel Castro with the three missing women that he held for 10 years. Um, and, you know, we had our reporters, two of them, who broke that story. And we were, we were proud that that day that we had ties to the community. And, you know, while I'm sitting there reading that story, I'm getting texts from uh, a few friends at Channel 3, and they were like, how did you get that story? How did you know? What's your contact? And they're trying to figure out yeah. why we're ahead of everybody else on breaking this story. And it's because our reporters had contacts with um, police and good contacts. It's also, though, Larry, because people like Lydia Asparo, one of the reporters, stayed in touch with one of the missing girl's family. And every year she would do a story about the fact that they're still missing. Uh, Bill Saffos stayed in touch with one of the other families. So when the girls are finally caught, I mean found, guess what? The family will only talk to Lydia Aspara and Bill Saffos because they know them. And sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. in the news we'll do a story and it's, forgotten. The family is forgotten. The fact that they lost their child is forgotten, but not um, those reporters. And so the um, the fact that you have been almost everywhere, including, uh, you know, speaking and being with the president of the United States with Barack Obama and being asked to sit there and interview this guy. Um, I knew what that must have done for you. But you also made a cameo performance on the ABC television series, <laughs> The Commission which at that time was a very popular television show. And you, and you did it as a reporter. You became an author on that show. Can you tell me about that experience? Did you go to New York to film? No, it, it was in Vancouver. Um, and ah. I remember I didn't want to play a reporter because Stephen J. Kennel uh, used to um, be part owner of, of Channel 43. And so Stephen J. Cannell wrote all of these popular syndicated shows. And I remember telling him when he visited 43, I said, oh, I want to be on one of your um, um, network shows. And, and I said, I forget the, it was a detective show with a popular male and female police officer. I said, I want to be on that show and I want to hold a gun. <laughs> <laughs> He's looking at me and his wife is saying, oh, Han, put her in one of the movies. And so sure enough, I got a call. They said this new um, show was out called The Commish with Michael Chickalis. And they said, um, Steve would like for you to play a part. And I'm thinking, yes. And then my, my general manager at the time said, whatever you do, she is not playing. She's not holding a gun. And she will not be shooting anyone. And I was like, that's what I wanted to do. Because, you know, I do all these good girl things. I want to be a bad girl for once. And so um, th they had me play uh, Melanie Scott, uh, a reporter covering yeah. what turned out to be an arson murder. And, and it was the whole experience was just fantastic. I remember the, the female star of the show. She went to the... Um, 
director. She was upset because my trailer was larger than hers. <laughs> I just thought the whole thing was so funny. You know, the um, I, I had a, a similar experience being asked uh, to appear on the 100th anniversary of the Drew Carey oh, show. Wow. You know, Drew being from Cleveland, and he asked uh, some of the radio people in Cleveland and some of the popular writers to be on his 100th anniversary uh -huh. show. And I thought, here comes my big break nationally. This is it, you know, the Drew Carey <laughs> show. And then when I got to... Um, when I got to uh, Burbank, California, and we went to film, it was a, it was a, a long day of 12 hours of filming the Drew Carey show. Wow. And I thought, I wonder what he's going to get me to say. I wonder what we're going to be able to say. The problem was we got to say nothing. No. <laughs> you know, all we did was, you're going to sit over there in this booth, and you'll be sitting over there in this booth for this scene, for that scene. But I do remember telling my audience, I said, look, I'm going to be on TV. <laughs> By the way, I'm not going to say anything, but I will be there. And it, was, and it was a great experience. And I remember John Lanigan and I, and when it was all over, because John was invited to attend as well. Drew Carey had said, because it was the celebration of the 100th anniversary of the Drew Carey show. And Drew said, okay, we're all done filming. He said, the limousines are waiting and we're going to my house for a party. Well, we had been up for 12 hours and I had been up the day before that for 12 hours. And I thought, I don't have another moment in me to do anything but go to bed. So I remember walking out with John and, and I remember walking out with John. He said, do you want to hop in a limousine to go to Drew Carey's house? I said, no, I'm going home to bed. I'm going back to Burbank and going to bed. So here I had the one chance of being, you know, at, in, at Drew Carey's house for this unimaginable uh, celebration and ended up coming home. But the show was great, and I enjoyed being on national television, if only for a moment. Yeah, what a great story. <laughs> great. Now, we talked, for those that may have missed the first uh, last week's show of Ramona Robinson, she tells this incredible story of her mother, Henrietta, who was a gifted seamstress and actually was able to pave the way for her, uh, for her 10 daughters and her son not only to live their life coming out of this very small town, but then to go on to college. Let's talk about your mom for a second. My mom was an incredible, uh, strong, faith-filled woman whose work ethic rivals anyone I've ever met. I lost her in 2018, but she taught me so much about life, so much about uh, believing in God's word and uh, always staying close to him and that he would uh, see me through no matter what obstacle I might face in life. And my mom was adamant that she would not go on welfare. She was determined after my dad walked out and even after my stepdad walked out, she was determined that she was going to raise her children herself. She used to always say, I birthed you in this world and it's my responsibility to take care of you. And we struggled. You know, my childhood was nothing but struggle. Uh, but I was a I was a loved child. You know, Larry, um, when I talk to kids, they uh, their eyes get wide when I tell them I never received a new toy growing up. I never had a birthday party. And they're all like, they look at me like I'm an alien. Like, how? Yeah. <laughs> um, 
But my mom used to say, I just don't have the money. And if I can't uh, buy a gift for all of you, I won't buy a gift for any of you. And so we never received gifts. And I'd go to school and I'd listen to other kids talk about what they were going to get for Christmas, a, a new Barbie doll or a bicycle or whatever. And I knew I wasn't going to get anything. But again, I was probably one of the most loved and nurtured children. So um, it's not about all those toys and gifts you give them. And if a young person is listening to this, they're going, ah, ah yes, it is. <laughs> you know, I know, I know how you feel about kids. And I remember when uh, I was invited uh, by Higby's to come up with a promotion called the sharing tree, where we would take little um, hearts and put them on a tree and people would come in and buy those hearts and then buy the gift for yeah. the children. And, and I thought, this is, this is right up Ramona's <laughs> alley. And, and I said, Ramona, would you do this promotion with me? And we ended up uh, with 4,000 wow. children from all of the underprivileged places in Cleveland. And we made sure that every single child got a gift for Christmas. It was called right. the sharing tree. And when they would buy the gift for the child, as you remember, Ramona, they would take the heart off of the tree at Higby's and take it home and put it yeah. on their own tree with that child's name on it. And I thought, who was the most sensitive person in the entire city of Cleveland to do this promotion with me? Ramona Robinson. Uh, and you were wonderful well, doing that. Do you have memories of that? I do. I remember that. And I remember you fondly from that because you were so kind. Um, and it also reminded me of, because, you know, I just talked about never receiving a new toy. And someone asked me, well, you know, there were free gifts for needy children. And I lived in the back of the woods, a rural community with 212 people. And the rural kids are often forgotten. Uh, sure, there were free gifts for city children if you lived in a large mm -hmm. city. But if you lived in a rural community, those toys didn't trickle down to where we lived. And you can see that today with the with the vaccines. Um, you know, the government has to make a point of making sure people who live in rural communities have access to those vaccines. So I used to say we were the for forgotten children. Let me ask you this: Do you miss television? I'm, You're not on now. You're you've become an author. Do you I'm miss asked television that, uh, often. And the answer is yes and no. I don't miss the day-to-day, -day, you know, delivering a newscast, but I must tell you, um, because I'm such a big sports fan, I, during yes. March Madness, I missed, <laughs> I missed uh, being in the newsroom so badly because um, I used to often win uh, either first, second, or third place in the office pool. And just the ragging amongst my <laughs> colleagues every day and about my picks. And it I missed it so much. And then, uh, of course, when the Browns, you know, recently made their playoff run, I was like, oh, I wish I could be on television to talk about this. I want to <laughs> tell them what I think yeah. and whatever. So, yeah, I, I really missed it um, during those times. And I miss being on the radio at that time as well, you know, getting Jim Donovan on there and say, come on, Jim, what yeah. was that like? You know, I, um, those were the, um, for people who live, work, play, and raise their families in Cleveland, those were the most exciting times. Oh, weren't they, they really were. I tell kids all the time, even the music was great 
back then. I don't understand today's music. It's, well, you know what? Someone once told me when I said I don't understand the music anymore and I don't understand uh, what's going on in America, uh, for the most part, all I can remember is um, a, a guy said, Larry, it's their turn at bat. And so it is their turn at yes, bat, Ramona. Yes, but I must say country music, they still do sing about, you know, your pretty brown eyes and um, when I first saw you. So that's how, <laughs> that's why I fell in love with country music because they pour their hearts out. And they still do. I love country music as well. Well, A Dirt Road to Somewhere uh, is, is uh, where, where, Ramona, where can they get the book? How can they get A Dirt Road? A dirt well, you road can get to a dirt road to somewhere. And my second book, Your Voice is Your Power. Um, you can get them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy your books. If you'd like an autograph book, you can go to RamonaRobinson.com and you have to spell my name R-O-M-O-N-A. Um, and you, I will send you an autograph copy of my book. I think that that is a wonderful opportunity for people not only th that have watched you, uh, listened to you over all these years, Ramona, but now they have a chance to dig into your heart and to see what's really going on. Ramona, I can't even begin to tell you how much I've enjoyed our time together. Um, Thank you, my dear. This has been one of the one of the happiest moments of my life being on this wonderful Likewise, time. Larry, you are near and dear uh, to my heart and to thousands of others. So keep doing what you're doing. Larry Morrow's Take Two, heard Saturday morning at 9.30 on 12.20 The Word and Sunday afternoon at 2 on 14.20 The Answer. If you have someone you would like us to interview, let me know via email at larry at larrymorrow.com. And until next time, do all the good you can to everyone you can, every time you can. For Take Two, I'm Larry Morrow.